This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby podcast. This is Richard Blackaby. Uh, Sam, our host, is uh, letting me jump in here because we have another special guest this week, my oldest son, Mike Blackaby. Welcome, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, <laughs> been fun to visit this week and uh, jump on the podcast while we're here. Yeah, we actually, a sad occasion, my mother passed away and Mike and his family came down for the funeral and so uh, after we uh, went through all of that, a very glorious, uh, very moving uh, funeral service. But uh, before Mike leaves, I thought I would sit him down at the podcast table and uh, and get some uh, wisdom from him. And so you, Mike's been on this podcast before. We, Mike, we don't have that many repeat offenders that come on, but... Uh, <laughs> But it's my, always nice to be invited, but it's always better to be invited back. That's right. <laughs> they can tell you that they really thought you did a good job, but if you if it's only crickets afterward, then... Uh, <laughs> but um, Mike is, has a PhD in apologetics, as does my younger son, Daniel. But uh, Mike particularly did uh, his dissertation and focus on Sam Harris, one of the leading uh, new atheists uh, that have become so famous in recent days. And I really thought it would be interesting. I'm a... I'm a, a leadership guy. Uh, I, there's certain areas of my specialty, but uh, apologetics is kind of out on the fringe for me. And yet I have a feeling that there's a lot of our listeners that are quite intrigued by that. Uh, there's uh, so much going on in that field these days. And um, I just thought it'd be good to pick Mike's brain a little bit. We've, uh, we've actually had some uh, various people that I've referred to Mike in the past because Perhaps they had a, a, a son that was uh, a prodigal or, or someone that was questioning the faith and they just wanted to ask someone some questions. And so I thought that might just be good uh, to bring Mike on today. And so I'm going to just kind of have him take us through uh, just some of the, the waterfront. I mean, we can't do much in this short podcast, but uh, but Mike, why don't we ju- just jump in here? And first of all, I think they're waning in, in some ways in influence these days, but there were four prominent uh, atheists or new atheists, I think they were called, uh, that were that quite a left quite a stir for a while. And may, maybe just tell us, kind of give us a, a quick overview of who those guys were. <clears throat> yeah. So in the early two thousands, um, Sam Harris actually was one of the one of the first ones to. These guys weren't the first to say the things they were saying, but. Uh, but they were maybe the first in a long time to to sell millions of copies saying mm. what they were saying. And Sam Harris was one of the first with a, a book called The End of Faith. And uh, and there hadn't been a whole lot that um, that criticized religion with, with that sort of passion. Mm. <laughs> and people have always criticized religion. But, uh, but that book um, really got a lot of traction. I think it came out in 2004. And then uh, Richard Dawkins came out with The God Delusion, I think, in 2006. And then uh, Christopher Hitchens came out with God is Not Great, um, just maybe a, a year or two after. And Daniel Dennett is sort of considered the fourth guy in that group, but he, he was kind of less well-known than the others. Um, yeah, he like had that. a university teaching position, and so he sort of had a—I mean, they, they all had day jobs other than this, but— um, but they really hit the scene uh, in the early 2000s and um, gave voice to a certain kind of atheism. It mm. was sort of similar to what like Nietzsche had done before, where it wasn't it wasn't just a sort of a logical critique of religion, but a, a very passionate, um, no holds barred, um, and they saw religion as 
something something that was almost above critique like you sort of had to you had to dance around it because it was it was so personal for people that oftentimes they felt you weren't even allowed to really critique religion hmm. and so they just like busted those doors open and uh, said well why can't we critique it and not just critique it but critique it and and actually mock it hmm. um because they said it's not just that that religion is untrue it's that it's actually dangerous and it's actually causing the world to be worse and so if it is then it should be critiqued in the harshest terms possible <clears throat> and so they they did that and they they garnered a, a you know a following mostly of other people who who were angry at religion too and who appreciated the way that they said these things and many of the <clears throat> many of the folks who who really jumped on board that train were those who who were pretty frustrated with religion themselves mm. and they were glad to finally have some spokespersons um to to say uh, in that sort of terminology what they maybe yeah. w felt and wanted to say and so for a while there uh they made some pretty big some pretty big waves not just critiquing christianity but um but actually critiquing islam sam harris especially um, critiqued Islam, uh, and that was one of those religions where where people were a little bit less uh, less bold to critique, and so so he actually perhaps got known more for his critique of Islam than even for critiquing hmm. Christianity. Now, there's a couple things that I want to talk in a minute about just kind of their current influence, uh, but especially Christopher Hitchens was, I think, more of a history guy kind of look at the history of the church and i know sam harris saw himself as a like more of a scientist um he's a near near had his did his phd actually in, in neuroscience okay so he's he's looking at it from that perspective and you know I, I, I there's at least my impression a lot of that i just picked up from you along the way um but uh like i, I think hitchens and sometimes i think the frustrating thing with guys like that is that they would criticize the church and religion for being unscientific and so on, being careless and taking leaps of faith and so on. But then they, they wouldn't always represent the church fairly. You know, like no. I, my, my attitude's always like, look, if, if religion is so bad, you don't need to make stuff up about them. Like just, just look at the hard facts and critique those and that's fair game. But when you start overgeneralizing and you nitpick and kind of pick out the bad stuff and you ignore the good stuff, that's not necessarily a fair scientific critique. And so for Hitchens, that struck me is that that's what he would do. But Harris, I know you're, and so maybe touch on that. And then Harris is your specialty. And I know for your dissertation, again, he would critique the church and religion and say it's all false. But then he would try to build an ethic without God. And he kept having to borrow from Christianity, religion. I mean, he, if you just have evolution, it's hard to come up with an ethic that you should be kind to those who are weaker than you or needier than you. That's not the survival of the fittest model. And so it's, it just seems like even though they're trying to be very scientific and rational, they both had their own sort of leaps of faith and they were not always as true to science perhaps as they would like to make you think. Yeah. Well, um, Hitchens was sort of famous for, uh, for, bringing out the the list of of wrongdoings of the church and thing is is all the all of his critiques christians themselves have have uh talked about mm. um and so he never really brought up anything new 
um, he just he just brought it up in maybe a new way. But uh, but it's not that it's not as if he uncovered any sort of historical wrongdoings that the church uh, didn't already know about. Now now we should be quick to to admit where the church has gone wrong, and and maybe one of the unforeseen blessings of their critiques was that it made the church. Um, you know, take a closer look at some of these things, and and we should we we should be the ones who are first to admit where where we've gone wrong in mm. history, and so and so a lot of his critiques were actually valid critiques. Mm. Um, they they just weren't weren't anything new, right? Yeah. Like it was stuff that we sort of like, well, yeah, like the Crusades and like those sorts of things. Like we we know about that, and we and and books and books and books have been written about that stuff already. Um, but what what I what struck me in his book especially was, it's like he couldn't bring himself to admit that the church did anything because the subtitle of the book was how religion poisons everything. Hmm. So he couldn't couldn't bring himself to admit where religion went right. Yeah, and so I, and when I, you, you explain away all the orphanages and all the ministry to the poor and the hungry and the sick and the hospitals started by Christians. And, and even science that, that yeah. he so, so values and, you know, like all those things. And, and the example in the book that I kind of laughed at was what he's talking about Francis of Assisi, who, I mean, was there a more gentle, caring soul than Francis of yeah. Assisi? But Francis was also famous for for caring for nature, even to the point of of preaching, preaching to creation. To yeah. And and so he just and so he briefly mentions Francis of Assisi and says, you know, who who preached to birds, like mockingly. And then he brings up uh, Francis again later on. And then in brackets, he has who preached to birds, like as if like, don't get sidetracked by the good things Francis did because he was also crazy, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's one of those things where it's sort of like those little asides, like, mm -hmm. it's like, you can't just admit that someone did some good stuff um, as a Christian. And, and so you're right, he, it, it's easy to, and we could do the same thing for, for atheists. And oftentimes maybe we, as the church do, we, we like to bring up, you know, communism and these sorts of things that like, look at what atheist regimes have done. Um, and, and we fail to give any credit maybe where credit could be due. And, and so we, we can do the same sort of thing, but, um, but then Harris as, as more of a, a scientist and, uh, less of maybe a sort of social commentator, uh, at, at least at the time when he was writing. He's kind of become more of that now. But um, his his whole thing was, if if we want to get rid of religion, if religion serves no positive purpose at all, then most of what people have seen religion as as doing is uh, is being a foundation for morality and that's sort of always been the thing like well if you get rid of religion you get rid of morality and that's that's sort of what Nietzsche even said like way before is hey look if 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 God is dead then then something's gonna have to replace him and mm -hmm. uh, and we're sort of in trouble because we don't necessarily have something good to replace him with and uh, and so Harris is determined to, to say, well, no, we can start from a starting place of science. We don't need, we don't need God to exist in order to, and, and the things that they would typically say is like, well, so are you telling me that if God didn't exist, everything would fall into anarchy and we'd all start killing each other? And we'd say, no, because we believe that there's this innate sense of morality within people that God put there. Um, but if you take God away, you take away the justification and the foundation for morality. Mm -hmm. um, on, on what foundation is there if there's not a good God who created 
morality into the very fabric of the world. And isn't there the saying, is does not equal ought, or does not lead to ought? Yeah, you can't get an ought from an is. So you can't just say, this This is the way, you know, um, this is the way humans are, you know, whatever. Like, this, like, they're made up of these cells, and they function this way, and therefore, like, we should treat each other in this way. It's like, no, you can say it's it's prudent for survival to treat each other this way. It, you know, you don't want to go around killing all your neighbors and mis, you know, having mistrust everywhere because because like that's not going to be a good world for anybody. And and so there's a lot of overlap of saying, well, yeah, we agree on what on what oftentimes what morality looks like. Uh, the difference is the foundations of where it comes from. And so for for Harris, he would say, well, we can start with like well-being, you know, we everyone's seeking well-being, and science, the science of the brain and everything, shows us what well-being is. But what he does is is he starts with a presupposition that that um, happiness and well-being just is the point of of morality, and uh, and it's like well, but what he's doing is is a step of faith. He's saying you have to start, and he says this in his way, like you have to start somewhere. And we would say the same thing. Well, yeah, we, you have to start somewhere. And the somewhere that we start is with a God who who created and ordered the universe, um, who whose very nature and character is is good and is the standard by which everything else is measured against. And he would say, well, I, I start somewhere else. And each of us has to start by faith with a presupposition mm-hmm. and and he never really brings himself to admit that that he actually starts by faith too right if you're if you take a scientific view then it's like that's not faith that's science as if there's not science doesn't have to also take steps of faith yeah well, and and everyone has to take presupposition like you have to start somewhere you have to you have to start by assuming something's true yeah Otherwise, like you can't go back far enough, right? Well, you know, there's an interesting thing too that I think is intriguing to me because you you sometimes wonder about people that are, I mean, flat out atheists. There's lots of agnostics who just say, you know, I'm not sure. There may be a God. I, you know, I, I, there's some things that seem to indicate that, but then I've got these doubts or questions. Like that's, that's probably a much bigger category, but the actual flat out, no, there is absolutely no God, atheist. It's a much smaller percentage of, of people, but it, it is interesting when you start to peel back some of the layers of that, you find oftentimes, and I would say always, but certainly a, a surprising number of times where some of these famous atheists have, when they were children, they were maybe abused by a priest or hurt by a religious person. And and what you find is they're not, they're not necessarily rational atheists, they're angry atheists. They're still, they're angry at, having been abused and i mean certainly that's justifiable but but to to then have that drive them to insist that there's you know if your father abused you as a child you don't want to believe that there's a heavenly father that that god is a father figure and is that i mean is that kind of overstated like i know dawkins for one i think is someone that uh you know such a maybe a leading atheist today and yet he he had uh something like that happen in his life when he was a child it's almost like they they just refuse to even be open to the thought. I mean, you think scientists are supposed to do that? I mean, they're supposed to be at least open to the possibility of a god existing or something. But but they don't even have that as they're not even open to that possibility. Yeah, and you know, it, 
obviously you can't generalize all of, of sort of any belief system, but, uh, but there certainly, it does seem to be a trend with a, a certain, a certain brand of atheists. Mm-hmm. And typically the ones that, that were really vocal and angry and that really sided with the, you know, these, these four horsemen of the apocalypse, as they mm-hmm. called themselves, these new atheists, like, um, oftentimes those who really felt camaraderie with them were were those who who were really emotionally uh, upset and often understandably so that's the thing yeah. is yeah. a lot of these guys had had a lot of reason to be upset and and so sometimes i i, I know the tendency is is to almost combat in the same you know com- like uh, defend the faith in the same sort of way as it's being attacked um, rather than stopping and saying like behind all the emotion what's what's the point that's mm-hmm. being made and and there's a, a an interesting book called uh, faith of the fatherless mm-hmm. that looks at that trend um, and it you know obviously it doesn't have uh, it doesn't interview tens of thousands of people but it looks at like the real famous vocal atheists mm-hmm. um, like the Nietzsche's and and the Dawkinses and those guys and uh, and it, it does find that oftentimes um, they had either an absent or an abusive father in their life and uh, I mean we know that that fathers play a huge role in yeah. in, in family life and uh, and so it's just sort of this it's this interesting hypothesis of, mm. uh, of looking at that and and then we also know that like psychologists are telling us that we're all really emotional beings mm-hmm. and uh, and even even those who like the like the new atheists, they always claim to be the the rational ones. Like, like the religious people are the ones who go by faith and emotion, and and we're just like logic and reason and facts. And uh, and psychologists today would tell us, well, even the most rational among us is primarily driven by emotion yeah. and reason. Reason sort of comes in later, but uh, but you read the the books by these guys and it's full of emotion mm-hmm. and uh, and no, nobody escapes that right uh, us or them and so oftentimes it seems like the starting point for their lack of faith was emotional and mm. uh, and then certainly logic and reason came in and played a part to, in that to buttress what they felt but it's likely not it's likely not that they first just came to their conclusions rashly. I mean, it, it's complicated, right? Like that emotion and reason work together in complicated ways. But um, but for them to sort of put themselves out there as we're mm-hmm. the rational ones, not, you know, not biased through our emotions is really just not true. The same yeah. way as, as we couldn't say that either. Like we're, we're all human and we're all a complicated mixture of emotion and reason. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's in, uh, and you know this much better than I do, but... Uh, I think it's interesting, Christopher Hitchens, that was such an adamant atheist, but then there was an apologist that became his friend. And, uh, and, and, and they did, I mean, they did engage in debate, but beyond that, uh, there was a Christian that just tried to love him as a person, a hurting person. And I believe Hitchens, there's no record that he ultimately became a believer, but he certainly was impressed with a Christian that didn't just see him as the arch enemy, but as a as a hurting person that needed to be loved and and understood. And and I believe Hitchens' brother actually is a believer. I think I read a book by him at one point. Yeah, Peter Hitchens. Um, interesting. Two brothers. They're both uh, both kind of belligerent and opinionated and brash, um, but went very different directions as mm. far as what they believed. Grew up in the same home. Um, but went very different directions as far as faith came. And, and it is interesting that, you know, uh, Christopher Hitchens 
most of the Christians he seems to have really been around were people he was debating. Hmm. Um, and yet when he actually spent time with one as a friend and they took a road trip together and they read through the book of John while they drove on this road trip and they talked about it. And, um, and yeah, I, I would definitely wouldn't want to overstate the case, but, but basically there was a side to Hitchens, um, that was, and, and this is probably true of just about everybody. Like when you get him off the stage away yeah. from the microphone, there was a certain side to him that was a little bit less boisterous, like yeah. a little bit less. Okay. When you're outside of the spotlight, um, not necessarily that he, that he was hypocritical because I think he believed what he, what he said from the stage, but I think it didn't really give you the full picture of, of kind of, um, what he was mulling over in his mind and in his heart. Yeah. And he even admitted at one point, they asked him, what, is there anything like, what's the strongest case for Christianity or for, for God, even though you don't believe it, what would be the strongest case? And and he said, uh, the design that he sees in the universe, he said, um, he doesn't believe that that's, that that points to God, but, but he said that, that would be the strongest case that he sees. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I had the opportunity to teach uh, a class at uh, Oxford University in uh, Wycliffe uh, College, and uh, they, they, uh, I, I was one of the other teachers was John Lennox, of course, very, very uh, pronounced um, uh, apologist, and he was saying that uh, Dawkins, who has a house there in Oxford as well, lets out uh, rooms in his house to Oxford students. Uh, and to to earn some rent revenue, I guess, and uh, but that he always uh, he always uh, connected with this evangelical college there at Oxford, and when asked why, like what you know, you're an atheist. Why is it you're going to the strongest kind of most outspoken Christian college in the whole place to fill your your, your house up with those kind of people? And fun, I mean, when he got pushed, came to shove, he admitted, well, because they're the most trustworthy. <laughs> they'll, they won't party. Yeah. They won't destroy my house. They'll pay their rent on time. And Was it uh, Voltaire or some, I don't know, remember who it was. Somebody, famous atheist, basically said he wants his barber and banker and all, he wants all those people to be Christians yeah. because uh, he just, he just trusts them more. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe, I mean, maybe he's being consistent to say, like, I understand if you're an atheist like me, you're not entirely trustworthy, but... Uh, uh, there's no one holding you accountable uh, as a Christian at least believes that they will be accountable so they have to kind of monitor their behavior but but maybe just the last kind of area just to explore here in the time left uh, and that is th these guys I don't know from the early 2000s uh, for maybe 20 years uh, these these guys the Hitchens has passed away uh, but they've they've had a you know they they were writing some very best-selling books. They were in a lot of different interviews and so on. Uh, but it, it, in some ways, I mean, Harris is still around doing some stuff uh, that I've noticed. But uh, um, but are is are they the the sort of the tip of the spear as far as uh, the atheist kind of movement today, or is that perhaps shifting uh, to some other areas now? Yeah, like I, I'm not totally up to date on a lot of that stuff, but uh, but you certainly see a lot less of those guys. I mean, uh, Hitchens passed away uh, several years ago now. Um, <clears throat> Doc Dawkins is is getting up there in age as well, um, but uh, but those guys, they uh, they they sort of ha had their time, 
and uh, and there's there's not a lot from them anymore. They haven't really written anymore on on religion. I mean, Dawkins would always say that his his first love is science, and he doesn't really want to write more about religion. I mean, it made him a lot of money, but uh, he he he's sort of like, and I believe him that like what he really loves is science. That's what he wants to write about. And um, and Harris actually um, has gotten really into his podcast. He does a, a really a spirituality podcast because yeah, the other yeah interesting, meditation isn't it like well the other interesting thing about him is he was very critical of religion but he was very open to spirituality and a, a lot of that was uh, he wrote a book called waking up which is basically how does an atheist fulfill that spiritual void <laughs> that everybody he would admit that we have and so yeah like meditation has been a huge thing for him mm. and like and sort of a lot of that eastern religion type stuff um, and so it's really been interesting too, because, uh, they've both been vocal against some of the cultural trends, uh, and philosophies that are bouncing around right now. And you've actually seen a lot of unlikely allies. Um, hmm. and so some of these guys like Harris have, have actually been on some conservative religious podcasts and interviews and stuff. And, and, uh, really fascinating to see like, Hey, we disagree about a lot of stuff, but, the, the cultural moment right now, uh, there's actually a lot that we agree on and yeah. sort of like unlikely the, allies. I know like with like, say, transgenderism, for instance, I think they would, from a scientific background, a, a person like Harris would, would disagree with a lot of the, the popular trends today and actually side with more of a Christian conservative view, which has been quite ironic to see a leading atheist siding and fighting on the same side, perhaps, as uh, some... Well, you know what's interesting? I forget where I, where I heard this. Um, but I think it was Dawkins who might have said, like, in all his time critiquing uh, religion and stuff, like, like he's actually been treated really well uh, by those that he critiques. And so he would go and I think he was talking specifically about like Alabama. Hmm. And, you know, like he he's coming from Oxford, England. He's going to Alabama, the heart of the Bible Belt. And and he's at a, a Christian school is where he was doing this debate. And he said, like, they were they were so charitable to him, like they treated him so well, even though he's like critiquing their their most deeply held beliefs. Um, and yet when, when these guys criticize sort of j common like uh, modern gender ideology, uh, I mean, they're getting they're getting slammed and threatened. And like and they're they're saying like, man, like, you know, when we critiqued religion, when we could critique specifically Christianity, we never got treated like this. Um, but mm -hmm. when we critique certain political viewpoints um cultural trends like we're we're getting we're getting like all sorts of hate coming back on us and in one sense it's a little bit of like uh and i, and I don't like using like this sort of language because i don't think it's a good way to frame it but sort of the enemy of my enemy is my friend mm -hmm. um and they're they're actually finding some some alliances with other people who hey we disagree about all the religion stuff but some of the cultural stuff we actually agree on or some of what we what we see to be standards of truth or, or those sorts of things. Um, and so in one sense, uh, when many of maybe their former crowd has abandoned them, uh, it's a lot of religious people who have who have been there to to embrace. And, and we can be pretty fickle, too, in, in, as far as like anybody who shows any sort of commonality with us will embrace them as a hero and yeah. kick them out if they if they, you know, cause too much trouble or whatever. But but it's been interesting that um, that many of those that they have spent the latter part of their career criticizing have actually been pretty open 
in in uh, forming sort of these unofficial alliances and and in one sense I mean there's there's a lot to unpack in there but in one sense I hope that's a a, a sign of of Christians just showing common grace and charity and forgiveness and saying even though you have critiqued and and sort of bombasted uh, things that I hold dear um, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna treat you that way and uh, and even if your own side rejects you like our arms are always open and a lot of that is more to do with political stuff than it is with uh, spiritual stuff but but hopefully we as Christians can say even our worst critics uh, are welcome mm. in, into our you know into our tribe if uh, if if they can find a place there and um, and so so hopefully there's some forgiveness going around because you know I, I feel like they've sort of had their day and I would say that that now that the critique of religion has shifted and more like the deconstruction movement of yeah. former former Christians former. Uh, worship leaders, former pastors, um, the the Josh Harris types who who kind of walked away from the faith that they used to preach, and in one sense um, they're offering some really good and valid critique that we should listen to, um, but in another sense it can be kind of dangerous because you've got guys oftentimes for also for emotional reasons or experiential reasons who are who are leaving the faith. Guys like Harris and. Dawkins always criticized from the outside. I think the new trend right now is to criticize from the inside. Hmm. And and again, like um, if there's truth to the criticisms, then we should be quick to listen to those. Um, but I would say the new atheism, I don't think uh, holds a ton of weight these days. I think a lot of the, the their arguments have been answered. Um, I think the new the new thing is this uh, deconstruction, which often leads to deconversion. And, and so I think the new thing for, for apologetics is how do we engage with that? Yeah. And I, I mean, I know, again, you can't overgeneralize because there's lots of different motivations. But I, but I do sense that at least some of these that are leaving the faith that used to be, you know, champions of it, you know, sometimes they end up like having an affair. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the, the morality that they believed in before is not convenient anymore. It's, it's easy to say, well, I just don't believe all that anymore because... Now I'm going to be live a gay lifestyle, or I'm going to marry my lover, and and some of these Christian morals I don't I, I don't that that's not convenient anymore. So I'm going to walk away from that. But and it, it would be interesting uh, again. It, it, there's lots of reasons, but um, oftentimes what is pronounced as well, I've just discovered truth, or I'm trying to you know follow my follow reason or whatever else. You so many of those you start to unpack and you realize well it's, there's more to it than that. And uh, well, and again, it's not it's not typically new arguments. Like you know the, there'll be guys who say I I just can't come to terms with the doctrine of hell. Well, people have been talking about that since you know since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's like I I don't um, you know I I can't handle the violence in the Old Testament. Or I mean these these in one sense it's it's sort of the classic stuff the problem of evil, things that have always been around. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just fascinating. It's fascinating the, uh, just the, the way it's coming across that, like it's being critiqued by those who were formerly on the inside yeah. instead of those from the outside. And in, so in one sense, it's being critiqued by people who have heard a lot of the answers before. Uh, and, and I think it's something that we should, should take note of that. These are people who grew up in our churches and yet, 
uh, the way that we handled those issues and those questions ultimately wasn't satisfying for them. And, yeah. and obviously there's a lot of emotional reasons that go into stuff. Uh, very rarely do you hear somebody say, I just couldn't get behind Jesus. I didn't like what Jesus did or said. Yeah. And so I left the faith. It's almost always Old Testament stuff or hell or um, or personal experience. The church hurt me. Yeah. And I mean, when you see all the Christian leaders that are publicly falling, yeah. um, there's a lot of reasons to, to be skeptical. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity um, for yeah, us. and I think too, it also tells you be careful about putting people on pedestals because this because this guy's a, a, a current Christian uh, mu- music artist right now that's popular and uh, has a following, and then mm-hmm. they come out and say, "Well, I never never believed all that stuff or whatever." It's a uh, you know the, it happens, and, and uh, I think it, it certainly shouldn't crumble your faith because a a Christian artist turned their back on their faith. But uh, but like you say, I think it should be something that that we do we do look at it as we're raising certainly young people um teaching them to think and and certainly you know we we try to do that just kind of on a personal note we tried to do that as best we could with uh, you kids when you were all kids not a gray-haired apologetic pastor now but are gray gray bearded (laughs) but um but we you know i don't think it's we're we're not doing our kids any favor by not teaching them how to to think and to address those kind of issues might as well deal with those issues while they're still at home and going to church and pull out your Bible and say, well, I mean, th- what does the Bible say about some of these issues? And uh, and not let people change their minds on an issue based on what's going on in their personal life, but say there's got to be a truth that's bigger than my personal life and experience. And so lots to talk about, Mike. I knew that we would kind of race through our time here, but uh, I want to grab the opportunity while I had you near a, a microphone uh, because there's there's a lot of people like me that um, read a lot, hear a lot, but we're not really experts in apologetics. And certainly these atheists, Dawkins, and some of these guys keeps Harris keeps popping up. And uh, I think the average person just sort of feels uh, out outgunned, you know, because you got a neuroscience just talking, and uh, and yet you know you you kind of peel back a lot of that. I'd, I'd certainly recommend uh, anyone wants to read a good. Uh, dissertation on Sam Harris to read Mike's uh, dissertation where he unpacks what he says and where there's some links and uh, leaps of faith even in an atheist kind of uh, ethic and so thanks for being with us and uh, we'll we'll leave uh, uh, there, there might be some books uh, we may just kind of uh, get Mike to help put in the show notes that uh, are if you if you're interested in the subject and uh, would like to read a little bit more uh, we might leave a few resources there just to and let you follow up on that. But thanks a lot, Mike, uh, for being with us and probably need to go and check in on those kids now. Yeah, thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.